keep your hands up. I want to see if there's a guy that's going to admit to that. No guys. No. Oh, Hugh. Brother, you should have just kept your hand down. So I tell you what, though, it was pretty neat. I did, I did catch some of the glimpses, and, you know, they have a little pomp and circumstance. But, man, that pastor did an incredible job talking about the redemptive love of Jesus Christ. I, I don't think they, the royals bargained for that. They were kind of squirming and all this, but he was having fun. Amen? How many know that when we're reading our Bible, we're hearing the Word of God? It should be fun because it has the ability to change our lives. And so let's ask God to help us this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible or your tablet or your phone, whatever you use, just raise it up. And God, we just thank you uh, for, for your love for us, God. And, and we know that every time we open your Bible, every time we read from your word, it has the ability to change our lives because it is the blueprint for our lives, God. And we're thankful that we can get wisdom, guidance, direction, comfort from your word. Lord, this morning as, as we continue our series on successes earned, God, I just pray that everyone here would be encouraged, that everyone here would be challenged to live in a way that would make you, uh, make you proud and bless your heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've been doing this series several, on several weeks, and it's going to be a, a fairly long series. Um, as we move into the summer, but it's called Success is Earned, and the whole goal, the whole premise, the whole topic of this series is just simply uh, that we earn success by how we live our lives. Um, success is not a position you get, it's not a title you get, it's not a place you get to in your career or in your life or in your family. Uh, we find out if we're successful when we go into eternity, when we die and move on, success uh, our success get, gets basically gets to be decided by the people whose lives we've impacted. And, and what I, when I was doing this series, I started studying the great men of, and women of past generations, men and women from the Bible, men and women of, that history has celebrated. And, and what you find is that people who are labeled, that we would all label as successful, basically what we, what we find is that they just live differently than, than the normal run of society people. They had values, they had principles that anchored their life, and they lived by a different set of value standards and morals than just the normal, normal society. That's what set them apart. And, uh, you know, what I, what I found is that a lot of people on the road to success, they want to take a shortcut. <laughs> How many of you have ever taken a shortcut and the destination you arrived at wasn't good? Any of you? Three people. Hugh's done everything. You watch a royal wedding. He takes shortcuts in life. Oh, my goodness. I always look at, you know why people say, sometimes you look over here more because Hugh's always smiling at me. He always acts like he likes my sermon. That's why I do that. So some of you frown at me, so I try to stay away from you. And uh, I, went, I went to, a, a, when I was first started in ministry, I went to a preaching school. I went to, went to a communication uh, series, and they took 15 people, and they were trying to help us be better communicators, and, and uh, so one guy got up there, and there was just 15 people, we were speaking to each other, and he looked back there the whole time, he looked back there, and so the instructor said, hey, you did really good, but you didn't make eye contact with the people, and he's like, oh, no, I never do that, and he, they, we said, well, why, he's like, man, my congregation's mean, I just look at the clock on the back wall and act like it likes me, you know, and uh, so anyway, 
thankful, thankful for you. But uh, if you think about it, the, the road to success, it's not the short way, it's the long way, and it's filled. It's filled with obstacles, with, with battles, with difficulties, uh, you know, but, but the road to success, it's the long way, it's the way less traveled, it's not, it's not the, the shortcut. People are always looking to take shortcuts. I remember one time I took a shortcut, actually me and about 100 guys, it was when I was in boot camp, and I went to boot camp in El Paso, which, uh, in August, which has since been closed down because it's just too harsh. What's wrong with society, man? What's wrong? We made it through there, right? And they took us out in the desert, and we had to go out there for weapon qualification. We were spending the night in tents out in the desert. And the drill sergeants kept hollering at us because our weapons, our M16s, they kept looking at them. Soldiers, you clean your weapon? Yes, drill sergeant. They looked at it. There's sand everywhere. We're in a stinking desert. What do you want us to do? You know, there's sand everywhere. So, so one of my friends, he, uh, he found a solution. You know, they had these little showers out there in the desert. We took our M16s into the showers, cracked them open and ran water in there, you know. They, unless they were clean, and so the drill sergeant cracked one open, and he couldn't say anything, cracked another one open. You know, after there's 100 perfectly clean weapons, he said, what did y'all do? Did y'all take them in the shower? I guess it had been done before. Man, he got us out there in the desert. It, it was 9 o'clock at night right before bed, you know, Lay down on the sand, roll left, roll right, roll left, roll. That for about 45 minutes, he said, now y'all's weapons are dirty, go clean them, you know? And that, that, was a, that was a miserable night of sleep. That's what happens when you take shortcuts. You end up rolling left and rolling, light, rolling right in the desert of El Paso, okay? So not good. So we're using the life of Joseph, uh, the, the incredible character from the Old Testament, Genesis 37 through 50, uh, because he's the epitome of success. Probably besides Jesus, he may be the best snapshot, the best picture of success in the Bible, because from birth to death, there, there, we, we know the Bible's very clear. It shows the flaws of the men and women in the Bible. And there's just, there's just, there's no debacles in his life. He's just really incredible. So we're going through his life, and we're learning principles that Joseph lived by, and the goal is this. Uh, here's the good news. Every one of us can be successful if we're willing to live by these standards and values uh, that the, the great men and women have. We're looking at Joseph. We said in week one that success, to be successful, you have to be faithful. That success is built on faithfulness. And so here's the thing. If you can't be faithful, if you can't show up on time, if you can't do a good job, if, I mean, if if you can't be faithful to your spouse, uh, you, you have zero chance of being successful in life. Success is built on the foundation of faithfulness. And then last week we said not only do you have to be faithful, but you have to have God's favor upon your life. And everywhere Joseph, when it says God's spirit was on him, God's favor was upon him. And so here's the thing, we can be faithful, but when we have God's favor on our lives, it will illuminate us and it will lift us up and it will shine a light on us and give us uh, favor with people who should not like us. And today I'm going to talk about a, a little, it, it's kind of a tough issue, but success requires life stamina. That you have to have stamina. Here's what I know. When bad things happen to people, you fall into one or two groups. Either you just give up and quit, or you decide, I'm going to get up, I'm going to put my pants on, 
I'm going to go to work, and I'm just going to get through this. But a lot of times people try something and they're not successful immediately, and so they just gonna, they're just going to stay there the rest of their lives. And what I'm going to tell you is this, if you're going to be successful, you have to develop some life stamina. And the, the bottom line is that the road to success, uh, you have to develop some toughness. You have to be able to take a few disappointments. You have to be able to take a few hits, a few setbacks, and find a way to keep moving forward. How can you be successful if you have a disappointment and you just stay there? You've got to keep moving forward. And you learn that successful people, if you study their lives, um, they just kept moving on when bad things happened to them. They found a way to get past it, to move on. They didn't, you know, they just, just found a way to, to push, push forward. And so the bottom line, the journey to success, it requires that we develop life stamina, the ability to keep moving forward in life. And I, I'm going to read. I'm going to read a text. We're going to look at the life of Joseph this morning. But I want to. I want to read a text from Second Corinthians four. You should have it there in your notes, and they'll put it up on the screen. But this is what Paul said. Now I think Paul is another very successful person, and I think that we could say that quite clearly he was able to move through setbacks. We know that he was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He was thrown in prison. He had all kind of things happen to him repeatedly, over and over again. And Paul says this. We are hard-pressed on every side. You ever feel like that? But not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Uh, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And then Paul also says in Philippians 3.14, of course, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So, you know, he, the, the, through these things, we see that Paul is, you know, he decides to forget the past and just move forward and, successful people they have to do that so in this passage Paul gives us a formula to develop life stamina and I just encourage you when you read the Bible and you see something you like go back over and read it again because usually there's a formula there that you can use you don't have you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be a biblical scholar in Hebrew and Greek to be able to understand the simple simplicity of the Bible but let me talk about this formula there's five things Paul says that we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. See, a lot of people get pressed, and life is, life is a pressure cooker. You know, it's kind of like it throws you in the crock pot and turns it on high, you know? I mean, it, it, but some people are pressed, and when they're pressed, they just fold. But other people have the ability to, to, to resist and move on. So every day of our lives, we all of us experience the pressures of life the demands of life. But what Paul's saying is we choose not to let the pressure crush our spirit. So we're pressed, but we're not, we're not crushed. And then he says we, we're per perplexed, but we're not in despair. Now, this word perplexed, it's, it's, a, it's a strange word, and you probably not have, didn't think about this. But yeah, I'm, I'm just perplexed, you know? 
Perplexed means that something happens in our life that we don't quite understand. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did this, why did this happen? Why, why am in my life right now, I've been doing everything right or trying to do, why am I in this position? So perplexed means sometimes we don't understand what's happening because we don't understand God's long-term plan for our lives. We don't understand that sometimes he has to take us through some dark days to build our character, uh, to, to build some things within us. So we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. And so here's the thing. When you don't understand something, don't focus all your attention on it. See, people let their minds go to places that are not, that are not healthy. Well, why am I here? God just doesn't love me. Well, why am I here? God just doesn't care for me. Why, why am I here? People don't love me. It may be nothing about any of that at all. I mean, the Bible is very clear that there's nothing we can do to separate us from the love of God. So that's not it. But we, let, we don't understand something. We let our minds wander. The third thing is that we're persecuted, but we're, we're never abandoned. And, uh, you know, here's, here's the truth is that in all of our lives at some point, we're going to be persecuted. Uh, you know, it could be discriminatory. It could be at the job. It could, it, it could be in a multitude of places. You know, the Bible says that Christians are all going to experience persecution of their faith at one time or another. Okay? And so, but here's the thing. We're, we're, when we're persecuted, when we're facing persecution, we, we, we know that even if people, <coughs> excuse me, people abandon us, God never will. God is always with us. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. So these are some things because whenever life presses us, some people let it, let it crush them. Uh, whenever we're, we're persecuted, sometimes we feel abandoned, we're perplexed, we, we feel despair. And then Paul says this, outwardly, that's physically. Outwardly, this is taking a toll on our body. I mean, we're, we're wasting away, literally. But inwardly, in our spirit, we are being renewed daily by the Holy Spirit. So this was Paul's, this was Paul's thing. It's like my body, my body's for one-time use. Every day it's getting older. Every day it's getting more worn. That's what's supposed to happen. But inwardly, I'm being renewed by God's Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. So to develop life stamina, here's the deal. It's not about how strong you are outwardly, your, fit, your physicalness, but how strong you are spiritually. See, that's the problem that many people, many people make. I know people that go spend hours at the gym working out, and they've never worked out their inner man. They've never picked up their Bibles. They've never cried out to God. They've never prayed. They've never worshipped. And to make it through life and have life stamina, it's not about your physical strength. It's about your internal strength and fortitude. It's about how strong your spirit man or woman is. So your spiritual depth, your spiritual maturity is what gives you the strength not to bow down to despair, uh, being crushed or persecution. And Paul says this, that he was being renewed by God's Spirit every day. Daily we're being renewed by His Spirit. So the secret to developing life stamina is that it's not about you at all. It's about God's Spirit working in you. Now it is about you being open to the Spirit. But is, isn't that good? That's, that's good news is that, is that God can infuse us and give us the strength uh, to get through. And so then he says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, which is temporary, but on what is unseen, which is eternal. 
Don't you think that we spend way too much time focusing on things that aren't even going to last in a few years? We're just worried about them, aren't we? We're worried about that car that we're spending all that money on, although we know it's not going anywhere with us, right? We're worried, we're worried about things, and, and Paul says to have life stamina, you have to focus on the things that are eternal. You have to focus on the important things that are going to make it, which, which, which are people. People are the most important things, and to focus on things that are, that are, uh, that are going to, into eternity with you. So we have to develop, what he's saying is we have to de- develop a big picture mentality. It's not about the day-to-day situations that happen to us, but it's where we're headed into eternity. You know, I talk with a lot of people. I've been a pastor, been pastoring now for 20 years as a youth pastor in, in, in here. And, you know, I've, I talk to a lot of people. And these things that Paul talks about, every day I see people that, man, the pressure crushes them. You know, they don't understand something, so, you know, they, they, they just go away from God. I see these things, this, this principle here. I'll never forget one time I, I had a, a, this young couple that I married. Uh, by the way, if I ever tell a story and you think, I think he's talking about me. I, I'm not, just, I'm not. It's someone else. It's someone else. Uh, but I, there was this young married couple. I actually married them. And then, you know, I saw them a, you know, a little while later and, and uh, about a year later. And, and, and they didn't look good. They, didn't, they just didn't look very good. And, you know, you know that when you walk in, you can look at somebody and tell, right? And so I was like, hey, is everything okay? And they didn't say much. I said, hey, why don't we get together? Let me, let me meet with you and talk with you. And so I met with this young couple, I mean, young, young couple, married a year and a half. And so we sat down. I was like, hey, what's, I said, hey, are y'all doing, are y'all doing okay? And they didn't say anything. And I was like, well, what's going on? And the guy looked at me and the guy said three words, it is hard. Just blanks, it is hard. And so I looked at his wife, and she's like, <laughs> right away I was like, yeah, they got communication problems. They can't even talk to me, you know. And so I'm like, well, can you, can you expound on that? Can you help me understand what you're saying? And I, and I said it just like that. I thought I was pretty clear. And he said, it's just hard. <laughs> well, what, what happens is, I mean, that, 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 that's the truth. It, that, that's truth. Life is hard. They had had unrealistic expectations of life. And the first thing that happened is, you know, you start going through life and, and the pressures of life come. The, the perplexing things of life come. Why is it happening? Why is this working? Why is it not working out the way that we do? And some persecution. And, um, but a lot of people are like that. And so what I'm saying is life, life on this world, in a fallen world, it is difficult. It is tough, so we have to have the life stamina just to make, to make it through. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many, I've, several thousand people at least over, since we started this church, yeah, they come for a while and they quit and I see them around or I, hey, what's going on? Oh, I just, Christianity just didn't work for me. Well, what do you mean by that? They wanted to come to church and they wanted God to just fix all the things that they had messed up in their life. And they wanted their life to be perfect. And so, basically, they tried to use God. How many you know that, I mean, sometimes I have things happen to me that I surely wish didn't happen? 
I didn't want them to happen. I don't want them to happen to anyone else. But it's just life. The, the, the goal is this, though, is if we have to live in an imperfect world, a fallen world, a sinful world uh, that, that's in decay, and culture that is in decay and moral decline, see, God's Spirit has to be in us to help us get above that and beyond that. So let, let's, let's go. We're talking about the life of Joseph here. And I believe that we would all agree that Joseph understood this formula even though he lived 1,750 years before Paul spoke it. And we look at the life of Joseph, he was pressed on every side. He had to be perplexed different times. Man, I'm living a life of integrity. I'm living a life of honesty. I'm treating people well. Why do I keep getting the short end of the stick? Why do I keep, you know, getting this? And, of course, persecuted, but he kept his eyes. He kept his eyes on the end goal, God's plan for his life, and we know that he kept renewing his spirit in God or else he couldn't have made it. So let's, let's, think, about, let's think about this. Let's go through the life of Joseph real quick, and then we're going to close today by, I'm, I'm going to give you just several things that you can do to develop life stamina. I'm, if, if you're new here, I'm a very practical person. Every time I speak, you know, so what if I'm speaking about life stamina if I don't tell you how you can get it in your life? So every, every week, we're going to talk, today we're going to talk about how you can leave here today and, and how you can develop the stamina to get through the difficult times of life so that you can be faithful every day of your life. Joseph, uh, Genesis 37, verse 23 through 28, it's the it's story of Joseph, one of them. And it says this, Joseph came to his brothers. Remember, his brothers didn't like him, and his dad sent him to go check on his brothers. And they stripped him of his robe, his, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty, there was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. But their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the, to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hand on him. After all, he is our brother, own flesh and blood. Well, well, thank goodness for that, you know. Thank, you know. Me and my brothers, me and my brother had some issues at times, but we never sold one another, you know. Golly. Just think, you're our brother, so we're just going to sell you into slavery. If you weren't our brother, it would be really bad for you, okay. And it says this, so, uh, so his brothers agreed, and so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern, and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now, that's a bad day by anyone's standards. That's a bad day. You know, I don't know what happened to you this week, but I know you're here and you're free, so it's probably pretty good. I don't, you know, I, I can't go much above that. But, you know, this is, this is a bad day, you know. Sold into slavery by your own family. It, it will just give us some perspective on life and... Uh, but we see that Joseph had the inner strength to keep moving forward. And we know Genesis 39 tells us that he, he was bought by a guy named Potiphar who uh, was the palace guard. He was in charge of Pharaoh's private guard, the palace guard, the honor guard. And uh, so then Joseph, he keeps moving. He has life stamina. He keeps moving. He's sold. He doesn't, he doesn't sit and sulk. He doesn't act like a slave. He acts like a leader. And he begins doing things, and Potiphar sees him and places him in charge of his whole estate. 
So again, he, he's elevated, things are going good for him, and of course Potiphar's wife accuses him of sexual assault. So he's thrown in prison. I mean, think about all these ups and downs in Joseph's life. You know, he gets up from being, being uh, sold as a slave, and now he's in prison for sexual assault, something that he didn't do. And of course then he becomes, he becomes put in charge of the, of the prison. The prison guard puts him in charge of the whole prison. So, so uh, again, he, he's moving forward. He's, he's pushing forward, and we see this. And, of course, then he ends up interpreting the dream of the cupbearer and the baker, the, the king's officials. And, and uh, we, we know that um, the cupbearer, he gets out, he's restored, and Joseph had told him, don't forget about me when you get out. Well, he forgot about him. He forgot about him. Then several years later, Pharaoh has a dream that no one can interpret, and the cupbearer remembers. Man, now to, he said, today I remember my sins, how I forgot this just man in prison. Of course, Joseph, is, 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 he's brought up, he's put in second in, in command of Egypt again. And so, I mean, I mean think, think, think about this. In, in, an, in an instant, Joseph, uh, from the outward appearance, looks successful. But what I want to say to you today is Joseph was successful because he continued to have life stamina through every up and down of his life. Sold as a slave, put into prison, forgotten about in prison. He just continued to move forward. Uh, he continued uh, not, not to give up, not to quit. And, and I think because he, he knew God's long-term plan uh, for his life. And I want to read, read one more passage from the life of Joseph in Genesis 45, verse 4 through 7. This is when his... This is, you know, nine years later. This is, this is when his brothers finally come and he reveals himself to his brothers. Look, look, look what he says. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years, there, there, uh, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, uh, there will be no plowing or reaping, but God sent me ahead of you uh, to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by great deliverance. And it, I, there's so many things we could talk about here, and we will in the future. And one is that successful people don't hold grudges. He had the power to end them. And he tells them, hey, don't feel bad about selling me as a slave. Don't feel bad because God sent me ahead of you to save your life. I mean, this is a re really a remarkable story. So we see that Joseph, he had the big picture. Yes, some unfortunate things have happened in my life and that's how God got me to where I was supposed to be. Instead of complaining about where you're at in life, try to see why did God put you there? Who can you help? Who can you encourage? Who can you uplift? And, and, and that's what people who have this life stamina uh, end, end up doing. And so let, let's talk real quickly here this morning. How do you develop life stamina? We see Joseph had it. If you, if you read the history of so many of uh, incredible, successful men and women, you find that so many of them 
over and over again, they experience failures. But the failures eventually led to their success and to some type of an, of an incredible achievement. So two things, very simple, but you may not like them, okay? Okay? They work, though. These will work for you. Number one is you have, you have to control your emotions. I heard the groans right there. I heard the groans. How many of you have emotions? Well, the, you know, the great theologians, the Bee Gees, sang about it. I was going to try to do that, but those cats sing high, man. Those cats sing high. I can't do it. So, But they said it's emotions taking you over, you know. So the, the reason we become crushed by life, fall into despair, depression, and feel like we've been abandoned by God is because we react or overreact out of an emotional state. I can't tell you how many people have lost their jobs because they got mad about something and they just went on an emotional tirade. And, and we, 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 we respond emotionally, we're emotionally charged to our spouses, to our kids, uh, in the community, and, and it really causes problems in our lives. So our emotions can, can, they can trigger reactions that are not healthy, and they don't produce the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You know, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says that we, Christians, we're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I mean, think, 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 think about this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And really, against such things, uh, people have a hard time saying anything uh, negative about. But, but think about this. The fruit, fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be operating in our life is that we're always supposed to be filled with love. That we're always supposed to exude and display uh, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So many times, our emotions, again, they, they, they trigger an immediate reaction. See, that's the problem with the emotions. They, they trigger an immediate reaction. And how many know that once you say things, you can't have them back? And you can apologize for them and all that, but sometimes the damage is done. So what would happen, uh, now it's, a, it's, it's impossible to get away from our emotions somewhat, and we need to have emotions, they just need to be in check. And what, so what happens is, when we have an immediate feeling and emotions, what would happen instead of just saying what we feel like needs to be said or what we want to say, what if, what if we took the time uh, just to think about it, just to pray about it, and just to cool down a little bit? I know this, I had, a, I had a, a pastor, one of my mentors, he, he said, Terry, any time that you have to make a decision and it's an emotional thing, never do anything in the first 24 hours. And you know, what I find is 24 hours later, everything looks differently. Shake your head, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Things look differently when you're mad, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're disappointed, your emotions are running. It looks like a colossal failure. A day later, after allowing time to, for the Lord to speak to you and getting control of yourself, it looks totally different, and your reaction will be different. So, again, to have life stamina, what happens is if we immediately react to our emotions, it's going to put us in a bad position. Also, some people, some people, I know some of you, some of you are really quiet and you don't say anything. 
that doesn't mean that you're not, you're not reacting by emotion. Because I know some people that will never say anything, but they'll just think about it in their minds over and over again and just rehearse it over and over again. And that also will lead to depression, discouragement. And so, and so we have to have emotions, but, but we can't be controlled by our emotions. We have to have control over our emotions. So the key to life stamina is this, that we don't get too high when things go really good, but we don't get too low when things go bad. You, you, do, real, you do realize that, um, like, I, I get a kick out of sporting events, like the, the, the playoffs. There's a, there's a Houston team playing today, right? It's so, isn't it so funny listening to people? And so, you know, the, the first two games, the, you know, the, the Warriors beat the Rockets really bad. And, and so, uh, you know, so Charles Barkley said, I, 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 think, the, I think the Warriors are going to win in three games. Well, you've got to win four games, you know. Uh, it's like, it's, basically, it's over. Then the, next, the third game, the Rockets won. Played really well. And then he says this. He said, if they play like this, they could win. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, what, I'm, what I'm saying is this, uh, you know, we, 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 we flip-flop, and, and when something goes good, you know, how many know that when something goes really, really good, it may not be as good as you see it in your mind? And when things go really, really bad, it may not go that bad in your life. When, when, I remember when I was first started being a pastor, I would speak, and I'd, I'd, just, I'd feel so bad, I was like, oh, that message was terrible. And... I'd go home, I'd be depressed, and Tracy's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, that message was terrible. Because that was the worst message ever spoken. And she's like, oh, it wasn't the worst one <laughs> ever spoken. No, I'm kidding. She would always encourage me. She always encouraged me. But, I mean, here's, the, here's what a pastor friend told me. Hey, if you're reading God's Word and speaking about it, sure, you may have, could be able to do better with it, but you're communicating God's Word. How bad can it be? You know? And um, so anyway... Not too high, not too low. We have to control our emotions. Say that with me. Say, I, I have to control my emotions if I'm going to make it in life, if I'm going to be successful. All right, the second thing is this, very, very big. Uh, make a practice of observing a Sabbath day. Now, some of you say, well, I don't even know what a Sabbath day is. Well, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to also tell you how bad American culture has butchered the Sabbath day. But let's start with this before we get to the Sabbath day. In our passage from 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about being renewed by God's Spirit daily. So the thought is this, is that him being renewed by God's Spirit daily is what gave him the strength to get up every day and push forward. And so the first thing is this, every one of us should spend some time every day in spiritual pursuit. Now, I know everyone's busy, but some people... Some of you that are here this morning, uh, you, you didn't do any praying, Bible reading, or anything since I saw you last. That may be, have been last week, that may have been two weeks, whatever. Anyway, you know, you get the point, okay? But, so here's the thing. So, how can God's Spirit revive us, renew us, and refresh us every day if we don't spend time with Him? So, I encourage you, I encourage you, even if you just get... Even if you start with 15 or 20 minutes a day, just to read a Bible passage, to pray, and to ask God to speak to you, that's something. That's something. Could you build it up a little bit? Yeah, but just start with that every day, giving God a window of our time to speak to us, to, to guide us. So 
Paul, he went through some bad things, and he was renewed day by day. So we need to be renewed day by day. Every day, we need to have a ch- give God a chance. I mean, put the phone away. Turn the, t- turn the you know, computer off, and, and during your quiet time, give God really an option to speak to you. You know, just every day we have a window where God can give us direction for our life, where God can give us wisdom into our lives. I'm telling you, there's been times in my life where God told me how to do something or what to do, and it was like I would have never thought of that. It was a God moment, and it was incredibly important uh, for my life. But on top of this, on top, on top of a daily time, uh, the Bible says that we're supposed to take one day per week for a Sabbath rest, a day where we shut down our lives from the craziness and business that our culture produces. And here's what I, I'm going to go on a limb here. I would, inv- I would venture that most of you in this room have never one day taken a Sabbath. Your whole life, you've never taken a Sabbath, not one day. So let, let me show you what this is, and, show, and then you can implement it in your life or throw it out and say, I'll just do the daily thing, whatever you want to do. But think about this. It says, Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, this is the, in the listing of the Ten Commandments. It says this, uh, remember the Sabbath day, that was the day they worshiped on, uh, which was for the Old Testament was Saturday, the early church after Jesus rose from the, from the dead on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. The Christian church started meeting on Sunday. Um, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So if you read Genesis 1 and 2, we see in Genesis 1 he's creating things. Day one, day two, day three, four, five, six, chapter two, verse one, it says, on the seventh day, God rested. He, he did something different. You say, well, I thought God did need to rest. He didn't. He set the example for us. He set the example for us. And so, I mean, think, think about this with me just for a minute. We, um, on the Sabbath day, the Israelite community, they, they would totally shut down. Th- think about this. This is revolutionary for us. Uh, No work, no cooking, no gathering firewood. It was all about worship and rest. They would go to the temple if they lived in Jerusalem. If they lived in a town outside of that, they would go to the synagogue early that morning for worship, for spiritual renewal. Then they would go back to their house and just relax as a family. So the, the Sabbath was meant to clear our heads and our heart. Clear our head and our heart and give our bodies rest. And I mean, it was a big deal in Israel. They had things, you know, that you couldn't work. Your animals got a Sabbath day rest too. And they even had Sabbath day walks. You couldn't walk past a certain distance. So I want to ask you a question. If it's a bad response, keep your emotions in check and just keep it to yourself. Pray about it for 24 hours. But how would you feel if I said on your Sabbath, let's say it's Sunday, okay, let's say on a Sunday, all you can do, all you can do is come to church and worship and go back to your house. You can't get on the internet. You can't return emails. You can't mow the grass. You can't wash clothes. You can't cook. See, all the ladies are feeling liberated right now. Yes, liberated. 
Okay, I'll let you stop somewhere and eat on the way home. You say, well, what, what about them? Hey, if they're breaking the Sabbath and I can keep it, that's fine. You know, let them cook. But I, I mean, think about it. It's a, it's, it would be a revolutionary way of thinking. But God knew. See, here's, here's the problem in, in, in culture today. We're so fast-paced that some of you, you never take any downtime. You're not lazy if you take one day off a week. You're not lazy. It doesn't mean you're lazy. Now, but you notice it was one day, not four, okay? It was one day, not, not four. And God knew that we could push our bodies for six days. We could work for six days. We could push ourselves, but we needed one day just to relax. So, I mean, think about it t- today. Um, we live in a post-Christian society in America. Some people get mad when I say that. It's post-Christian because we don't, you know, our, our, our country was founded on, on God, on Judeo, Judeo principles, and on the Bible and prayer. We've taken all that out of our society. And, um, you know, there's no day sacred. So today, uh, today we go 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We never stop. I mean, sporting events on Sundays, Sunday afternoons, van, Wednesday night. We go all the time. So look what's happening to our society from, from breaking the Sabbath. And it's not just that. There's other things, too. But, I mean, we're dealing with, with, with a growing, rapid increase of suicides, of depressions. We have more people medicated today than ever. And I, I wonder, I wonder what would happen. What would happen if we just gave our minds and our bodies the rest that it needed? What if one day a week we said, today is the day of worship, and we're going to worship, and we're going to connect with God, and we're going to connect with family, and we're just going to have time to clear our minds and our hearts and Last year, uh, Trace and I were in Israel, and she had this little watch thing, and, and she forgot to bring an extra battery. And so I told our guy, I was like, hey, we got to go, you know, we got to go, I need a battery for this. And he, he's like, oh, man, it's the Sabbath. And he said, stores are going to be shut down. Now, we were in a secular town. They don't even, you know, they're not even biblical Jew, I mean, but, but the, the whole town closes down. I mean, and, and they enjoy the Sabbath so much, you're supposed to close at sunset. Oh, they start closing at three in the afternoon. I'm like, hey, y'all need to really obey the Sabbath. It's not until sunset. You know, open up this place right now. I mean, we're going from place to place to find a battery, and we couldn't find one because everything shut down. And so you say, well, Terry, there's two things. I have two problems with the Sabbath. Uh, one is this. One is um, that the, the Sabbath observance was given to us in the law when, when, when God gave the law to the Israelites. Uh, that is true. It was recited in the law. And Exodus is part of the law. But the principle came from Genesis when Jesus created the earth. So that's way before the law. So here's the thing. Just I'm not saying that our Sabbath has to look like it. It doesn't have to look like it did in Israel because our society, our culture is different. But can we do a better job? Can we do a better job of, of, of observing and really allowing ourselves? Uh, I mean, it's crazy. There's some people are so busy uh, that, I mean, they come here and they, they can't even make the whole church service. They've got to get up and go to the sporting event or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just and I'm not bashing that. I'm just saying we, we are so busy. Some of you are here, even right now, and you've already checked out because of so much stuff you have to do this afternoon. I'm just trying to include everybody. But uh, you, 
You see what I'm saying? So it doesn't have to look like Israel, but, it, but, but it, we need to do something. Um, and, of course, and of course, I know that society, we don't, well, if all the stores closed down, we, we would have to do that. But uh, it's not going to be there today. So here's what I believe. I'm going to have the worship team come, and we're going we're gonna to wrap this thing up. And, but ju- just stay with me for about two or three more minutes. Here's what I believe. I believe that if we plan some downtime into our lives once a week for spiritual and physical rest, I believe we would actually be more productive during the next six days. I mean, you know, you can be so busy and so busy and so, so stressed that you can't even think straight. And here, here's what I, what I think. If, if, if you get some downtime and you recharge your battery spiritually and mentally, and if your body gets rest, what I find is that I'm better on, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Actually, my Sabbath is, is Monday. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. When I started this church for many years, I, I, I was guilty of breaking the Sabbath. I was about to lose my mind because I never stopped. I never stopped. There's always somebody to help. There's always someone to see. I try the best that I can now. On Mondays, is, is, is shut down for me. But I, here's what I find. If I force myself to shut down and get away and not answer my phone on Monday, I find that I have more compassion for people on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and Saturday. I find that I actually enjoy helping people and I, I enjoy things more uh, because I'm, 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 I'm resting. I've just allowed my mind just to, uh, just, just, just to rest and relax. And I believe that's true for all of us. I believe when we... The thought is, I don't have time to take a Sabbath because I've got too much to do. And my thought is this, when you take the Sabbath, you're more productive so you get more done during the rest of the week. Would you stand with me this morning? So we, 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 we talked about if we're going to be successful, we, we have to develop life stamina. We have to be able to push through uh, during the difficult times of life. And, uh, you know, we say one of the main things to developing life stamina stamina is this, is that we have to daily and weekly allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to renew us, to revive us. And I just wonder, I want you to just bow your heads and, and uh, you know, the band can just start playing and just think about this for a minute and then we're going to pray. Have I been renewing my spirit daily and weekly? Have I been being refreshed by the Holy Spirit Or have I just been trying to do it all on my own? Just take a moment and just consider that.